Does your bike need some love? Shimano Original Replacement Parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike. Available online and at your local retailer. From Red Kite Prayer, we are back with The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Celine Yeager, and with me is my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits into our lives. How are you, Patrick? Uh, I'm good. I've been really, really busy the last two weeks and have barely been on the bike, which is a little embarrassing. And How come? What are you doing? <sighs> Extra work. I'll just uh, leave it at that. Extra work. work uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I have my first event of the season on Saturday. And so maybe I should try to go for a ride this afternoon. Yeah, just roll right into it. You train <laughs> into it. <What? laughs> yeah. So, uh, the first grasshopper of the season. I was going to say it must gap. be the grasshoppers kicking yeah. off. And it's going to rain on Saturday. Of course. And it's Perfect. already muddy up on low gap road. <laughs> Here we go. 2020. So, yeah, I'm I'm running the bike with the biggest clearance and a 35 millimeter tire. All right. So All right. I'm I'm hoping that I won't get stuck with mud. Good luck. I will need it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? I, I was in uh, Arizona last week, which was yeah. uh yeah, gravel camp. That was really interesting. How so? Everything about it was interesting. Like the, 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 what the format that they're putting together. So it's Chris Lyman's agency. Um, uh-huh. And they, you know, they gather like just this interesting group of people. And it's not like your traditional press camp where they have like a ton of stuff and they're doing presentations on this stuff. And, you know, all, like there weren't really much, many presentations on anything. Um, the Shammy Hagar, the, you know, we were riding the evil Shammy Hagar and there was, I'll talk about that with my pick. Um, there was a presentation on the bike, but really they just want to gather. It's almost like a brain trust. You know, they want to gather people together, have some gear that you're testing out, but it's, and it worked. Like we talked gravel morning, noon and night. Like nobody, you know, we had like had two Airbnbs and then we'd get together for dinner and we'd ride all day kind of thing. And, um, but man, we just talked the state of the industry and gear and, events and it was really enlightening you know it was it was just it was really great it was great it was because they had you know christy moan of dirty kanza and Mm -hmm. t-bird of um pressure in the tusher now under the lifetime roof you know rebecca rush for rpi uh bobby from now the mid-south formerly land run Uh was there um amy charity from steamboat gravel Yuri, uh, Neil Shirley with Envy, uh, myself, Ben Delaney, Dan Cavallari, you know, like the Vela News people, Bike Rumor was there. So I, I can't remember and I'm so sorry. Uh, there was a bag company and I will try to remember for later that, you know, we had the bento boxes and all that from the UK was there. It was just like all these different people. And we just there was a round table on gravel one night. Peter Stetna was there, you know, and he. Uh-huh. 
And it was kind of cool because like we had this whole roundtable and they turned it into the sort of their own podcast. But just talking about like because USAC had the thing in Bentonville. Yeah. Uh, was it lot the weekend before? Maybe it was really hot on the heels of this thing. And some of the people were there, you know, and came right to this. Mm-hmm. And it was such interesting discussion because, you know, everybody is just like. How do we keep how do we keep this thing from, quote unquote, getting ruined? You know, how do we keep this thing from, uh, you know, it's really hard because everybody loves Tim Johnson. Everybody loves the people who are in USAC right now who are who are doing their damnedest. But um, it does always feel like they're coming in to take and not give. You know what I mean? Like his grapple is just it's. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't need, need help. It doesn't need help. Um, you know, and Peter Stetna, you know, he, we talked like, oh, like talk to us about the pros. And he's like, we really don't want to ruin gravel. And we, we don't want to bring all that stuff. Cause that's the irony of all of this is everybody has left road or is not everybody, but a lot of people are leaving that scene for gravel to get away from something. So to bring that stuff like a point series, like sanction, like any of that is ridiculous. Right. Right. And then the cost structure that's associated with having all the referees and whatnot and uh, making sure you've got a closed course. Right. I'm, the grasshoppers would never happen under you. That's it. Oh yeah. Oh, nothing. I mean, nothing really would. And it, you know, as soon as you bring the clipboards, the fun goes out the window, right? Like that's just, and that's mm-hmm. why people are coming to grow. They want it to be fun. But then there's all these interesting points like Adam Meyerson, you know, who's always stirring the pot on Twitter. You know, while Uh we were out there, I looked at my phone. I'm like, well, that's interesting. He's like, "Okay, I've got a bunch of juniors that want to, you know, they want to are aspiring gravel pros. You know, who do I blame for that? And what do I do with it? And I'm like, I don't know what that looks like. (laughs) I don't (laughs) don't, don't, downsides. I don't know. Right. I don't. It's just. um, Yeah. Oh, you know, what is it? What is it? I mean, it's a whole new everybody's just sort of making it up as they go right now. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that it's interesting to watch, you know, including our little gravel camp and the USAC summit. Like people seem to try to be like grabbing a hold of this tsunami to try to contain it or make it go the way they want it to go. And I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think the more somebody tries to control it, the more it'll get away from them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with and, that. I and- mean. It's probably also a way to to not endear yourself to everyone. Well, and somebody I was looking on one of the forums today because, you know, everybody's like that summit raised a lot of concerns. The, the USAC summit, mm-hmm. you know, and then brain doesn't help with headlines like USAC eyeing gravel, you know. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a little sensational. Um, but but somebody brought up a really good Point. And I don't think this would happen because it went over like a lead balloon the first time. But they're like, well, what what if they would say, OK, you know, continental pros or whatever level of pro can't do unsanctioned gravel races. Remember when they tried that with mountain biking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was mm-hmm. terrible, which was a disaster. Uh, yeah. I mean, Washington. Could- it used to be if a pro did Mount Washington, they would lose their license. Are you kidding me? No, I, don't I am not. That. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's just that's not the way to do it, mm-hmm. right? That's just not the way to do it. Yeah. And that, well, yeah. then, but, they, but I don't think they honestly could because people would just rip up their license. You know, I mean, they would just be like, "Okay, I'm just not going to race any of those other things." Then, you know, I mean, we're almost at that tipping point where 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think you want to threaten people like that because they might make decisions that you didn't foresee. Well, there were all those breakaway leagues, uh, what, 10, 10, 12, 14 years ago? Obra, you know, Oregon oh, yeah. and, and then mm-hmm. Colorado. There are all those breakaway leagues saying uh, we will just do our own licensing. We'll have our totally. own series. Yeah. You know, we'll buy our own insurance. And oh, look, the insurance is cheaper. <laughs> so they I mean, one of the problems, though, is that, OK, sure, that was USAC. But how much institutional memory is there for that debacle? Because right. Tim right. Jensen wasn't there. He, he certainly experienced it. But I think he was in Europe for much of that time. And their current CEO was nowhere to be found in that organization. I mean, thank heaven they're hiring from outside. Yeah. But, you know, institutional memory for mistakes is just as important as institutional memory for success and brain trust. That's an excellent point. I think they're steering in the right direction with their involvement in the Grand Fondo series, quite frankly, because, you know, there are people who still love the road. I still love to be on the road. Fondos are Mm -hmm. awesome. Fondos Mm -hmm. are great. And you already have those people, right? Like, so like make that better, you know, make the road better, you know, cross. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you can make better instead of like trying to like jump on this bandwagon that doesn't want that's trying to steam way you know away from you Mm -hmm. yeah no i totally agree yeah yeah so it was it was interesting and it was you know quite frankly nice to get out to arizona for for, uh for four days and i uh, I can imagine that was a a welcome respite it it was it was I, i needed it on every level honestly i've been just uh i've taken on way more work kind of accidentally i took on a job that ended up being astronomically larger than i expected it to be so i really needed to uh i needed to just get into another headspace for a while it was it was a good it was a good thing nice yeah, yeah. cool yeah so well uh I'm back. what are you doing for a pull this week i was going to do a uh, listener question oh cool okay yeah 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 because you know it was uh, I, I got ambitious last week. I thought I'd do two and there was no time. So this is one of the ones from from last week that I will answer today. Um, and I don't know who this is. I'm sorry. I'm sure you'll recognize your own question. But it says, aside from the mental, motivational and achievement benefits of completing something like indoor training challenges like the tour of Sufferlandia, Landria, Sufferlandria, is that how you say that? Uh-huh. Uh, should there be some concern about doing these challenges where one is put through eight to nine days straight of workouts that are essentially zone five and above, which only contribute to catabolic breakdown? Um, I'm going to say <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to say, why are you, ha- why are you asking us the question? <laughs> no, right? The end of the poll right here. No. Um, okay. I, I, I understand. So my short answer is yes. I will say that I do think that it's okay uh, to do something like that, like once, you know, during the, like, it's like a, <laughs> a hard training camp. So, you know, so you like treat it like that. Like you're going to go. Stage race. Yeah. Like th- there is definitely a place for that kind of uh, training, but it needs to be part of a bigger picture. And I think that's where things get lost right now. And I think they're getting lost a lot right now, especially now that, um, you know, Zwift just, they're rolling out race series and all that, the, the crits 
and all this stuff. Like you can race on Zwift 24 hours a day now if you want to. <laughs> it, it, yeah. You can. It's it's and it's addictive, you know, because you get they it's even worse because they give you crowns and this and it sinks to Strava and this you get like hot new bikes and like all this stuff. It's very rewarding. You know, so between like CrossFit, Sufferlandria, Zwift, Strava, I think like people could be doing high intensity and people are doing high intensity all the time, you know, or, or way more than is beneficial. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and I, I think that you can fall into the trap because it works. It works well for a short amount of time. I mean, you can you can build a lot of what we used to consider traditional base building gains with high intensity interval training. You know, you can make mitochondria, which is where your, you know, your cells make energy. Uh, you can raise your VO2 max. You can raise your lactate threshold. You can all you can hit all those hallmarks of like, quote unquote, fitness, getting fit. but you still need to build a base. You still, you really actually still need to build a base because you need endurance for all that stuff to stack on top of like, that's, that's real. And if you keep just doing that, you're going to crumble because you have no base. (laughs) I mean, that's, you'll start at best. You'll plateau at worst. You'll go backwards. Um, And there, there's a reason that, that, and I think that people don't understand. There's a reason that, zone two, quote unquote, endurance pace, whatever you want to call them, rides where you can chit chat the whole time in short sentences, um, harder than recovery rides. It's not supposed to be easy. You know, it's supposed to be like you're a little labored, but you can still converse. Um, hallmark of base training. You know, they, they make a lot of mitochondria, especially in your sw- slow twitch muscles. The slow twitch muscles are the ones you use for endurance rides. Anything over an hour, you need those muscles. Yep. And, um, most of your mitochondria are in those. And, and this is everyone pay attention to me because this part's important. And this is the one that everyone doesn't know. So everyone knows that they're slow twitch muscles. I mean, if they know anything, they know that fast twitch is sprint, slow twitch is endurance, the slow twitch burn oxygen. You know, that's why you want to build your mitochondria. So you become a really good fat burner, but also the slow twitch muscles help recycle lactate. And I think a lot of people don't know that. Like the mitochondria and slow twitch muscles are very, I learned this from Inigo San Milan, who's like the king of mitochondria researchers. Mm-hmm. They, they help recycle the lactate that your high intensity type two fibers pump out. So, and, le- with, and the better that you can recycle that, the higher intensity you can go before you flame out. And that's right. why your base erodes. That's why people get really inflective where they can, as soon as they start cranking hard on a long ride, they just flame out. You know, that's that's what's happening there. So you still need to do those rides from 90 minutes to three hours, whatever that is, without like sprinting for town signs all the time or racing. I mean, th- those still should be honestly at this time of year, 75 percent of your training, probably. Mm-hmm. Um if if you can't manage that because it's bitter cold and nobody wants to just sit and slog even around Watopia for three hours, I get it. But then at least at least plan that for when the northern hemisphere warms and thaws that you're going to make time for those rides. So go ahead and do a little reverse periodization, as they used to call it, you know, and hit some of that harder stuff now. But then you've got to dial it back and give yourself that time where most of your rides are in that zone, too. Mm. Yeah, yep, yep. Got anything to add to that? 
Uh, no, not really. I mean, I I actually really enjoy those early season base mile rides. I, it's harder now. I mean, everybody wants to get the base now because everyone gets insane early in the season. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, but it when it's twenty four degrees and it's dark, you know, like it's I get it, you know, and and you know, people used to just sit on their trainer and watch The Godfather, right, and just like slog. Oh yeah, and that's I don't know that that's the answer either, quite frankly. But I think you can do some sort of polarized kind of training where you do still get the fun intensity and still hit the high notes. We're not paid pros. We don't need 30 hours of little ring, you know, for three weeks. <laughs> but um, but you still do need to make sure that you slot those rides in. I, I, that's that's my only real point is mm-hmm. that it's important. Yeah, very much. I mean, I remember when I did still have a, a real winter living in Northampton. Yeah, I'd, I'd sit on a trainer for hours. Uh, oh, yeah. Every do. every morning I'd climb on and I would do two to three hours. I once did five hours on a stationary. Five. Five. Oh, I did. I did four on my rollers one time as the longest I've ever done. It was a long, a long way to long time. It really was. <laughs> it's I, a long time. And I would so I would have normal headphones like I'm wearing now running to my stereo and my stereo was hooked to my TV. This was back before surround sound and all that fancy stuff. Yeah. And I would put uh, tapes of the Tour de France. Oh, that's so old. In the VCR. Stand it. <laughs> we're, we're talking 24 years ago. I was doing yeah, this no, 25 that's years like ago. Such a classic vision. Yeah. And I would sit there watch and, Sunday in hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. And I just, I'd bang those miles out and yep. then get off and wipe up all the sweat from the floor. Uh, and it's funny because spinnervals that's, uh, oh, yeah. uh, that, that oh trainer God. workout, uh, I remember spinnervals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when that first tape came out, they sent one to me to, to review for the ride magazine, mm-hmm. uh, shout out to Richard freeze. <laughs> and, uh, I got on, I got on my bike and did it and I hadn't done anything hard for, I don't know, three months except for cross country skiing. That was always hard. Yeah. But on the bike, I hadn't done anything hard for, for a couple of months and I'm going along and I'm getting through all the various intervals and, you know, killing myself, watching my heart rate. And all of a sudden I notice it's really, really hard to go. Some suddenly it's like I can barely turn the pedals over and it's like, what, what's, what's going on? And I turn around and look behind me. Well, in my thrashing about on the bike, I had caused the trainer to slide across the floor about 18 inches over 40 minutes. The rear tire of my bike was up against my couch. Oh my God. That is amazing. Oh, it wow. gets better or worse, depending <laughs> on your viewpoint. I get off the bike. I pull it away. There's a black stripe up the couch, <laughs> then a hole, and then more black stripe. I had worn through the cushion. Wow. So oh. <laughs> my my ex-wife uh, was still my wife then, and I knew that she was going to be upset. I had managed somehow to find out the information so that I could order a new cushion cover. I had it on order. This is pre-internet people. This is pre-internet. Yeah. I, I had that uh, cushion cover, 50 bucks ordered and on its way and paid for 
before she ever got home. And I greeted her at the door and, and just said, okay, I, you're not going to like this, but I've taken care of it. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I'm going to pull on over because that was amazing. <laughs> don't do that, people. You don't need to do that. Fine. Let's leave a yeah. lot of demons to take care of. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a selling point. <laughs> Uh, all right Uh, well there we have it all right we're gonna take a break for our sponsor shimano and then we will be right back we're going to take a short break for our sponsor shimano and we'll be right back at shimano we love riding and we know you do too as a small repayment for all the joy your bike has brought your life we encourage you to maintain your bike regularly genuine shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano-equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool, you've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears, and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat if you're a cyclocross racer. Whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or metal SPD cleat, they can and do wear out. Keep that love burning bright. Show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new. Okay, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, what is your poll this week? I've been looking at gravel events this week Mm -hmm. and what passes for spare time, like half an hour before I go to sleep. I've been kicking around on my iPad, looking at stuff. And I've been trying to figure out what I want to do this year, aside from the grasshoppers. I'm willing to make a couple of trips back east if possible. So I've been looking at events from Oklahoma to Pennsylvania. And I've even been looking at some events in Europe, as I've got some friends in the Netherlands who have invited me to visit. And when you have friends in the Netherlands and they tell you to come stay in their guest room, that's what you do. Am I right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, it's the Netherlands. Didn't we talk about that on the show? A little. Yeah. 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 So uh, I got to do that this year. The thing that I couldn't help noting was how many of these events that I was looking at have a route that is north of 100 miles. And some of them don't even offer shorter options. There's just the one length. I was talking about this with a friend this week, and she was noting that there are a bunch of events out there that she will never be able to do the full distance on. So she's faced with doing events with shorter distance options. And, you know, I know that sounds like problem solved, right? But Mm -hmm. not so fast. I think the problem that I see is that there's an inherent slight to doing the shorter option. It's an admission that you weren't as badass as everyone who did the full distance. Now, contrast that with the first of the grasshoppers each season. Uh, until last year, the first one was Old Cass, and it was 50 miles, 5,000 feet of climbing, and about 50% dirt. 
it was a length that anyone could get through. What's more, even though I was slower than pro mountain biker and former winner Barry Wicks, I still did the full course. No one did any more than I did. They just went faster, and we all know there will always be someone faster. (coughs) (coughs) Right, Celine? Mm. (laughs) So, you know, I look at the fact that one year, Old Kaz drew more than 500 people. Compare that to the longest grasshopper of the bunch, Super Skaggs, And between the version with dirt and the version without that Strictly Road, they're both north of 90 miles, fewer than 200 people will sign up. In some years, it's been fewer than 100. That's how hard that event is. Hmm. And here's the thing that I see. I'm not sure that gravel events grow the sport. I don't think people take up cycling to start doing gravel riding. Mm-hmm. But I do think that gravel events are cycling's answer to marathons mm-hmm. and triathlons. People will travel to do a gravel event. And event promoters really only prosper when they get north of a thousand participants. And small towns can really benefit from the money that comes in due to tourism. So the way I see it, it's in everyone's best interest to host an event that is as attractive as possible. From mm-hmm. what I see, that's the best way. The from what I see, the best way to do that isn't by trying to out Kanza, dirty Kanza, right? But to put on an event that everyone showing up can complete, so mm-hmm. they feel like a first class participant, not a second class citizen. Hmm. So, yeah, from what I'm seeing, I think shorter is the way to get more people to enter these events. And to make them feel completely rewarded for their effort. And I can say that for my part, uh, I can say with confidence, any future event that I put on, it'll be shorter than 70 miles. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a, I'm a, a million different minds for that. I mean, I think it is something that I've heard people funny because I was just on a podcast with a couple of guys up in uh, upstate New York. And they put on like a dirty something. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a it's a series of gravelly events. And they were apologizing left, right and center that they were shorter. You know, they kept saying, yeah, they're only 40 to, you know, I mean, they kept saying that they're shorter. Like, dudes, I think there's a there's a really good place for that. I think there's a place they should be celebrated. Yeah, there's a there's a place for rides that don't take all day. You know, I mean, they're they're. I mean, it's hard because, you know, on one hand, you do want those rides that that are worth the trip for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it's hard to justify maybe. And I I could be wrong here. um, You know, making a big trip for a 40 or 50 mile day. Right. Like Mm -hmm. flying across the country for I don't know. You know, I mean, I if it was really special, maybe, you know, I would have to think about it like if. Because 50 miles can be a lot of different things. 50 miles can take you an yep. awfully long time. You know, it depends like five what hours. <laughs> it depends what you're doing. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I hear sort of both sides of that, but I do, I really do think that there is um, a place, a want, a market for rides that are less than 70 miles. Like you're saying, I mean, I, I absolutely do. And it, it's interesting it's interesting to hear you kind of 
put it that way because it's because it's true. I mean, unpaved, you know, we have 120, 90, 54, and 30. And um I a lot of people come out for the 90. You know, a lot of people, we call it the plenty, actually. We call uh-huh. uh the 54 is the proper, the 90 is the plenty, and the uh the whole thing is like the difference. But but that's why we call the 90 the plenty, because it we really do think it's plenty for most people. And I think people come who come don't have the attitude that is they're missing something. And I, I appreciate that. Um, that's great. But I, yeah. But I also hear what you're saying is, is that when you do go to and I've heard this, like when you do go to a Mid-South or you do go to um, even Kansas, like, oh, you just did the hundred. Well, a hundred miles of that stuff is not is a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm one of those people who the first time I went, I, I would freely tell people, oh, I only did the half pint. I just right. did the half pint. And even calling and, it the half pint is so funny to me because it's still 100 yeah. miles. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than a half pint. <laughs> yeah. About, you know, six and a half hours on the bike. That's a real day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, one of the other things that I I think about is that you know, with something like Dirty Kansas, to your point, uh, you know, what gets people out to to actually make a trip? Well, then, you know, when you go super extreme, you've got the risk of people not actually finishing. Yep. And, you then, know, what, yeah. what happens to the person, you know, mentally who flew across country and then didn't finish the event that they were there for? Right. And so I think shorter events also are beneficial from the standpoint of you're just more likely to get through the day. You're more likely yeah. to have a successful day. That is true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I don't think everything it's, it's hard. I don't think everybody. And I think I, my sense is just sort of with the ear to the ground is that um, there's a knowledge of that, that not everything needs to be, a, you know, a beat down over the next beat down over the, you know, um, and I, I think that there's in some cases a movement to make the big event, the outlier, do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that that's not a bad strategy, you know, so have say a, a, a moderately big ride, like a hundred K, you know, a 60 mile mm-hmm. ride, whatever. And that's your main event. And then sort of like the dirty cans of decal, like that's the outlier, you know, like then the, yep. you can have some stupid challenge that is the outlier so it, it's it flips it a little bit as far as like what's considered quote-unquote normal or yeah yeah levi's grand fondo does that there's you know basically something on the order of a double metric option now they were calling it the panzer they call it something else now i did it the first two years they had it levi's grand fondo is 103 miles but there is this opportunity for those who just can't get enough and that route, I mean, you do this descent through this Ewok forest out to the coast and it is special. It is yeah. worth the extra miles and you get a much longer run along Highway 1. It's it's a neat route. How but, much longer is it? Uh, it's an extra maybe 19 miles. Yeah, that's worth it. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's something. But. Yeah, Levi's Grand Fonda was billed as a, you know, traditional century type sort of course. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's nice that they've 
come up with a way to offer something longer for people who want a little extra challenge without sliding those who, you know, the vast majority of everybody who signs up for the hundred mile option, because that is flipping plenty. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's interesting because I, I know Rasputitz has sort of struggled with that a little bit. Like, you know, I did that three years, four years. I can't remember. It was 2000 something. Um, and it's it's fairly short. You know, it's 40 miles. Uh, mm-hmm. It was enough, you know, because you ran three miles in the snow and it was, you know, like it was. It was <laughs> but I still, you know, I still finished in two and a half, 245, you know, so it's it's. You know, part of me was like, but would I want it longer? You know, so it's a big trip and you do all this thing and you, you're kind of over the main event in that. But then but, but then what is the main event? Because the main event is a festival all day long. Right. So you have to I think it it all needs to go into that balance. Like mm-hmm. it because it, in many cases now. The event is just part of a larger picture. You know, yeah. so. it's Yeah. yeah. I, and I like the idea of building a weekend for people so that right. there's stuff, you know, Friday, Saturday and Fun Sunday, rides, yeah. whatever, bike yeah. demos. Yeah. Didn't do it this year, but, or this past year, but, you know, we were doing recovery rides the day after Levi's Fondo. Yeah. Uh, Yuri and I would take some folks out and have a, a great time. Uh, Robin Farina joined us for a couple oh, yeah. of years, yeah. you know. And that was, you know, that was a nice way to kind of, you know, meet up with some more people and have some conversations that you were going too hard to have the day before. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's fun. And rehash yeah. with the day before. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, sit think, and have coffee in the sun. I think that'll. I mean, you know, the pendulum always swings and, you know, who who knows where it's all going. But I, I, th- I think your your point is well taken. And I think that you will see, you know, some of that pop up just to satisfy that because not everybody does want to be on their bike all day long you know not everybody does and that's okay (laughs) like that's okay yeah yeah and i know for me the longer the event the the greater the odds that i'm going to screw up my fueling yeah well there's that (laughs) yes you and everybody else i'm just owning it for me (laughs) yeah you and you are not alone yeah 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 um Something else to work on this year. <laughs> every that's perennial. That's an evergreen one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And your physiology changes every year, so it makes it more fun. So true that. Just, just yeah. when you thought you had it nailed. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I, you know, the way things are going, I think you may see me at Unpaved this year. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. It's, we would welcome that. It is penciled in. Um, cool. Yeah, I've got I've got some stuff ahead of me to try to sort out, but yeah, I I'd, I'd like to make it out and I'm I might just do the plenty. That would be plenty. Trust me. <laughs> it is a perfect course. The 90 is a perfect course. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And I heard there was really like that's a great example of there was a lot of other cool stuff going on that weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no there there's uh it's it's the areas Woolly Worm Fall Festival, as I mentioned before. So you got to be able to take in the woolly worms. And, uh, it's a college town, so there's tons to do. But, the you know, the, there's just all kinds of festivities and, and social rides and all that kind of stuff. Uh, movies being shown at the downtown theater. You know, Salsa had a little film, little screening, that kind of stuff. So pretty cool. Neat. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it feels cool. like there's a bunch going on. I, I like that kind of a, a vibe for the weekend. All bike people nice. just doing bike things. Yeah. 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 Cool. Alrighty. Uh, well, Paceline Picks. I got the Chamois Hagar. I mean, like, I got a, <laughs> the name still has not grown on me, but a lot of people. Uh, did you see any of the pick? That bike just looks so, it's so ridiculous to look at. No, I haven't seen pictures we'll of it have, yet. We'll have to put a, we'll have to put a picture of it. It's, um, it's got a 66.67 degree head tube angle. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay. For for uh, those who maybe that doesn't mean anything, it's kind of like a chopper. I mean, it's the best to like yeah, yeah. when you you look out and you can see that your front hub so far out in front of you. It's um and the 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 stem is 45 millimeters on the mm-hmm. you know, very very short stem. Okay. Um oh, I'm blanking on his name. Who's the guy at uh that made the 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 trust fork the the suspension weagle is that his name oh yeah he is responsible for designing the whole front end of this bike so okay. there's a lot of voodoo going on on the on the chamois hagar um it's got an 80 millimeter drop it's got 93 millimeters of trail of <laughs> <laughs> am i blowing your mind <laughs> You are, you are. Okay, so for the folks playing the game at home, uh, okay, your average road bike is going to have somewhere around a 73 degree angle head tube, okay? And uh, your average road bike is going to have on the order of 70 millimeters of bottom bracket drop. And trail is usually going to work out somewhere between about five and a five and a half centimeters of trail or 50 to 55 millimeters of trail as opposed to 93 <laughs> millimeters of trail. I, the, the slackest touring bike I ever rode in my life was still South of 70 millimeters of trail. So what do you have to do to make this thing turn? Well, this is, it's so funny because when we first got on them to leave the house, to go ride, I thought we were all going to kill each other because <laughs> <laughs> I, I really did. We were all like, because the front end just had a life of its own, right? It's out there and you're just like, I don't know. Um, That did, that goes away. Like that actually, it was interesting. Um, You know, the fork is that they have a very special fork design that you will probably understand a little more than me because of your, got like a 57 millimeter offset and a 428 millimeter axle to crown. Okay. So, you know, they were, it it reduces the axle to crown height. Like they, they made it, it's not as floppy as you'd think. It's still a little unwieldy, you know, but it's not, even it's that slack. It's, you get used to that pretty quickly. Um, When I, like I said, when I first left the driveway, I'm like, this makes no sense. But then we went out onto these super flowy, we did like 50 miles the first day of this, most of it single track of this flowy, crazy and at speed and on that stuff, it was unbelievable. Like it made, it was, it was so much fun to ride and it just hugged. It was uh, it, until you got into a sort of a unseen short turn, because at a quick, sharp turn, you would start uh-huh. seeing people like <laughs> kind of blow it a little bit because it, 
it was it it didn't it didn't handle those quite as well, but it still it still was more nimble and maneuverable than you would think, honestly. It uh and it pedals really well because Jason Mosler, who's the the chief operating officer there, got up and gave the demo on it, and he explained that the rider's position in relation to the bottom bracket is actually pretty close to other bikes on the market. Uh Um, And it's actually right against the UCI limit of how forward you can be. Okay. So you're, you're, you're really in a good, powerful pedaling position. The bike pedals very, very well. And the only time, like I said, like, like the, like the tighter turners, but sweeping stuff is great. Mm-hmm. Climbs really well, descends, forget about it, because it's got the dropper post on it, and you sit right in that bike. I mean, because it's so long, like, you are in that bike when you mm-hmm. are, you know, and it's it's mm-hmm. nice. You can get the drop, you can get the saddle just even a little. I, like, I found myself riding it with just a little down, almost all day. You know, because it's, the saddle would just be a little out of the way, and it just, it's just so maneuverable mm-hmm. that way. Um, we were humming. It was it was pretty cool, like to watch pe- like the line of us just hauling on that thing, you know. The the clearance is uh, seven hundred by fifty, with yeah, oh. yeah. I had fifty mils on there. No toe over. They promise. Of course, there's no toe. You'd have to have clown shoes on to have toe overlap. <laughs> but like no toe overlap. Uh, it was also interesting. The few times I had to pop up over something, my Cause I have to pop over stuff all the time here on the, uh-huh. right. We've logs like everything. And I think that I must have an automatic pilot feature. Cause I would almost hit things with that front wheel. Like I, like my visually I'd be thinking and be like, Oh, there's a log coming up. Your blah, timing blah. was off. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and then I would look down and be like, Oh, the log. <laughs> like, <laughs> I almost hit things because I was so used to like the timing of it was, a, uh-huh. it was a funny uh-huh. sensation. Um, yeah. Yeah. That sounds far more entertaining than the time I tried to pull up the front end of an e-mountain bike and was, <laughs> you know, unceremoniously well, dismounted. Yeah, that's that's a different that's that's this was more fun. I, I didn't. But, um, you know, I it's a really interesting. I just think it's a really exciting time for bikes right now. Like I've said this before, and I uh, I could see like it, you know, it's got a bunch of mounts on it. It's very suitable for like. You know, like sort of like that salsa cutthroat, like for the continental divide sort of thing, like uh-huh. taking that thing touring makes a lot of sense. If I had that single track in my backyard, sure. You know, because it's, it's more it's you don't it's it's not mountain. I mean, you could certainly mountain bike on it, but that bike, I think, was more fun, you know, and it's more fun obvi- on the stuff that a mountain bike's not fun on at all. Like, you know, the pavement or even the like the long fire roads. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. You know, it, it's uh, they've got a Shimano GRX option for four thousand seven hundred ninety nine, and then you can get a SRAM Force AXS kit for five thousand eight hundred ninety nine, and plus all kinds of NV upgrades and that kind of thing. But very interesting, very interesting wow. bike, very interesting I, bike. I look forward to getting a chance to ride one of those. Yeah, that will interesting be, to see what you yeah. think. But we kept looking at each other when we'd ride side by side and just laughing because it looks. <laughs> It's just, it looks so ridiculous. It's just like, <laughs> it's just a, it's a crazy bike to look at, but it, it was very fun to ride. 
That's really cool to hear. I mean, it's, uh, I'll say, I'll admit it, it's a little surprising, but it's really cool. But I mean, also, Dave Weagle, that guy's no dummy. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's very smart. And, and they, yeah, I mean, they just own the fact that they, you know, it. they did base it off of um, the following. Is that their short travel? Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, they took that as their, and made it more, you know, they, they, they worked backwards from that to make it more of a gravel bike. You know, where a lot of gravel bikes go the other way, they're, they take a road bike or a cross bike and sort of go gravel. They yep. definitely took a, but it's not a drop bar mountain bike. I mean, it's definitely not like the cutthroat. It's, it's, it's its own animal, 100%. That's interesting. I'll be interested to see what other sorts of uh, unusual designs come out in the next couple of years. Totally. Because, I mean, totally. if evil does that, other people are going to go, well, I don't have to go that extreme. Right. Oh, I know. No, it's and, and that's how I feel about the magic carpet ride, too. Like I was talking about last week, I think. Yep. Um, there's so much about that bike I love. It's just too heavy. And it's too heavy because I feel like it's. Just because Niners a little trapped by their CVA suspension, you know, I mean, it, it's it, there's so much about that bike I really love. But it's, you know, it's three to four pounds. I mean, it, you know, it's not insignificant um, depending where you ride. I mean, some it, it, it can erase the. That it, the, that weight can outweigh, you know, whatever, if, you, if you're riding technical stuff all the time. But but I'm just going off on a tangent because to your point, like, I think all of these things are just shining light down paths that we're going to see just get better and better. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one place, unlike bottom bracket standards, where fresh thinking is really welcome. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I will. I have some shots from we'll put them up on the on the show. Like, cool. Me I look forward to seeing it. And the bike. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, my pick this week is the wave handlebar. I am wave. so fascinated by this thing. Oh, yeah. I it's tried one really of the. Cool. One of the early iterations of that, and I almost killed myself. So I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. I mm. couldn't, I ride the tops all the time and I couldn't uh -huh. steer well. Really? Huh. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it wasn't, it wasn't the wave. It was someone else's and I had a very hard time with it. But, oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. So it's a, the wave is a fresh take on and what an ergonomic bar can be. Mm -hmm. What makes it different is that the bar rises just outside the clamping point and then slopes downward at 15 degrees and slopes backward at 12 degrees. So it allows a rider to have a much higher seated position with when riding with their hands on the bar tops. And it's a much more natural position, not to mention uh, by the time the bar reaches the turn for the hook, it's back to normal. So it seems much less surprising. The reach is 77 millimeters, which is in line with a lot of bikes out there. And the drop is 120 millimeters. So from that standpoint, it's not really different from any number of compact bars out there. But it's not finished with being a little different. The hooks are angled out at 1.5 degrees and then flared, that is uh, moving away from each other uh, at 1.6 degrees. And so the the in the drops position is a little more comfortable than most bikes it's 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 a noticeable difference it you know on paper it doesn't look like much but out on the road it it is a real difference uh i can feel it 
comes in four widths, 38, 40, 42, and 44 centimeters. Uh, and I believe that was measured center to center. I'm on the 42. And, you know, even though there's a little more material to this bar because it's doing some extra bends and whatnot, I'm amazed that it only weighs 195 grams. Hmm. I mean, under 200 grams for a handlebar is always like a really nice mm-hmm. achievement. And yeah, how they did that, uh, they must be working with a really good factory is all I can say. Uh, retail price is three twenty nine. I think the reason that I was really hip to try this bar as soon as I heard about it was that years ago, FSA had that K-Wing bar, mm-hmm. uh, which was a riser from the stem, went out, and then a deep drop. That may... That may still be one of my favorite, if not my favorite bar of all time. Wow. Yeah. And the the problem was that most people didn't really know how to set it up. So Mm -hmm. they would see the riser and they think, oh, well, I need to take spacers out below my stem. No, Mm -hmm. that was not the thing to do. The thing to do was run the bar at exactly the height your old bar had been at. Mm -hmm. It just gave you the opportunity to sit more upright when you were climbing. Right, the deep right. drop meant that the drops were still in the same position as your previous bar. Right. And so right. it was the best use of a deep drop bar I've ever seen. I loved that bar. Really, really loved it. Uh, it was pig. It was heavy. Um, but they did a really fantastic job of it. And the wave is kind of the, the K wing for the 21st century. So far as I see it. Yeah, huh. it's a it's a neat neat bar. I like it a lot. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, I have not been on this one. Uh, Yuri's on one. Yuri was on one out and at a camp at gravel camp, uh-huh. and he he likes it too. So yeah, and I think James Huang had is that the one he reviewed? Uh, he, possibly. Probably. I think it is. Yeah, I yeah. think it is. It's 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 been making its rounds. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been a little overdue in talking about it. The problem for me was getting the bike set up uh, yeah. that it was on, you know, with two, uh, two DI two wires to get through there. Plus yeah, the yeah. hydraulic line. Oh, it was one of the hardest builds of my life. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, once it's set up, no problem. And uh, an actual professional mechanic would make short work of that. Unlike me. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, hey, what are you doing this weekend? What am I doing this weekend? Well, that's a funny question, Patrick. So, <laughs> so we had plans, my husband and I. Um, there's the Sugarcane 200. There's two gravel rides in Florida going on this weekend. The Sugarcane two. 200 is a, as the name implies, a 200-mile ride through the Everglades. Um, and then... The next day was Gravel Gladiator, which was the last salsa chase, you know, chase the chase kind of thing. Um, so Dave was going to try to actually get a chance to sit on the chase for real, you know, like not it's just a promoter, but, you know, get to it. Um, yesterday, the Gladiator canceled. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, right. A lot of people all of a sudden in the air going okay, well, we have flights and bikes and all kinds of stuff. Fortunately, we had planned to do um, both. We were going to do the relay of the 200, 
you know, just he and I. And oh, then, okay. Yeah, then like through to do a double century weekend, if you will, you will, which is ambitious, but we're going to do it. But right now, uh, for whatever reason, I have committed to doing the. <laughs> I am going to ride two hundred um, Saturday, mm-hmm. and this is uh, this is the first time I'm doing something where I feel absolutely that I have not prepared for it. Like I, you know, like, I think I need to remind myself every couple of years how long two hundred miles actually is. So about one hundred sixty miles into it, I'll remember. Um, just, yeah, yeah, just how. And you know, the elevation over is two uh, hundred feet. Uh, what is it? Like uh, it's. I think. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not One exaggerating. Foot per mile. I'm not exaggerating. Like it's. It's 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 under 500. It's really yeah. low. I well, uh, I remember seeing the elevation profile, and I was like, "What did the data not load?" And I've I never seen anything like it. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. Like yeah. I've never seen an elevation profile that flat, in, yeah. like ever. Um, so it'll be fun. I mean, it's I, you know, it's gonna like I, I'm gonna ride. Dave's gonna ride the back half, the uh, back of the hundred with me. So. Uh, he'll join me for my second hundred. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're really just going for fun. You know, we were going to do a relay, still kind of doing relay, but I'm just going to ride the whole thing and, uh, (laughs) ride the second half with him. So we'll see. I'll, we'll have lots to talk about probably. (laughs) I'll, I'll be interested to hear about the darkness if it falls and in what way and how he deals with you in it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that that, that it'll be a little less dark since Mm -hmm. there'll be, because I'm not racing, you know, so I I don't have compunction to not to stop, you know, whatever. Like, I, it's I'm going into it with a it's just going to be a very, very big day on the bike with lots of big seabirds and uh, sand. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we will. We will. Or at least you will. We'll hear about it. Yeah, you'll hear about it. So, <laughs> I mean, but being Florida, it should be warmer. It better warm up. Have you heard about the whole falling iguana thing? Yes. 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 It's raining iguanas. Well, because it got so cold there that the iguanas lose their grip. They kind of freeze and get temporary rigor mortis and fall from the trees. So I am the race starts at 5 a.m. And I'm hoping that it's not iguana cold, you know, where (laughs) (laughs) there's a pun in there somewhere. I cannot imagine like they're not small. No. No, (laughs) to get hit by one is they're not. Well, just to see one drop to the ground (laughs) would be (laughs) just the weirdest thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's what I'm doing. So you'll be doing your thing and I'll be doing my thing and we'll we'll have stuff to talk about next week. Yeah, I'll be covered in mud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's supposed to rain on Saturday. It's supposed to be cold. Uh, It'll be chilly for sure. But it's supposed to rain on Saturday. And that is Saturday. Yeah. yeah. And it's a gravel, not one of the mountain bike, right? It's great. You said 35. Yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, it's road on the way out and then dirt on the way back. Gotcha. And last year. How does the dirt hold up? Well, some video that Miguel shot uh, earlier this week or late last week, something like that. The, it was really muddy. It was very interesting. It looked like peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody wants that. Wait, and that's why I put a 35 millimeter tire on a bike that can handle a 45 millimeter tire. Right. Yep. 
that might be the that might be the move. Uh, it, it's not that knobby though. So, um, <laughs> yeah, things things we could get see. interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending great stuff. Uh, if you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. And you know, uh, in the spirit of the Friday group ride at RKP. I'll say, you know, if you've got an opinion about how long, how long a gravel event you want to do would be where your upper limit is, I'd love to hear that from you. We'd love to get some feedback on that. Don't forget our Paceline kits from Primal. They're up in the RKP store. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. This week, <laughs> my interview with Brian Hollingsworth is likely to finally go up. I've had some issues with a couple of files. I think I've got them straight. And so I think you will actually see it very soon. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line. <laughs>